often I felt like I had fallen into an episode of the Twilight Zone. There were so many miraculous coincidences. There was so much beauty and also so much crazy danger. That was the opening line to our friend Natalie Larson's California Coastal Trail Fastest Known Time blog. And it hooked me, man. Like her blog was fantastic. Um, I mean, just read the first two paragraphs. She's a fantastic writer. Um, but welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And this week we're welcoming Natalie um, a few weeks removed from probably, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but probably the biggest adventure she has ever taken on. Um, she set out to set the fastest known time on the California Coastal Trail, which is a 1,171 mile trail from the border of Mexico all the way um, up to Oregon. And it follows the coast the whole way. So you can imagine there's beaches. She's going through cities, major metropolitan cities, uh, and then eventually hitting up some some wilderness along the way. So it's kind of like a really cool mixture of everything you possibly could want in an adventure. Interactions with other people, um, trail finding, route finding through some crazy giant Californian cliffs, uh, wildlife encounters. I don't want to spoiler alert anything, but listen to the last like 10 minutes of the podcast when Natalie talks about probably the scariest day on the trail, um, which involved possible drowning scenarios and uh, running with a big mountain lion. So um, yeah, check that out. It was it was an adventure of every sense of the word. When I started the podcast and I was imagining talking to these people who have gone on these epic adventures, epic journeys, this episode was exactly what I was imagining. So I'm so excited to share it. Natalie's just great. She's so amazing. She's an accomplished ultra runner. She's a sponsored athlete. But uh, this whole thing, man, she's just, this was a journey that she just took on herself and it was really ended up being this just self like self-driven quest so get ready this is an awesome episode uh just to kind of clarify natalie set the california coastal trail fastest known time or in the ultra running world it's called fkt um and she did 1,171 miles in 44 days, 18 hours, and 40 minutes, and she did this self-supported, and she'll explain what that means in the podcast, but there's varying categories. Uh, There's supported, there's unsupported, and there's self-supported, and Natalie will let us know what that means. If you guys really love this episode and you love listening to Natalie and you're inspired by her, first of all, go out and set your own big goals, and I love her her message of just walk out the door and do it just do it (laughs) nike nike it (laughs) um but you can check out natalie she was on a previous episode number 11 of the podcast way back when i probably sound different probably sound younger and stuff uh (laughs) so check out that episode it's number 11 um and we kind of talk about her whole history and her ultra running career um before she got injured and 
and uh it's a great kind of like preview for for just natalie and her personality before we talk to uh talk to her today so go check that out you can find all of our episodes on itunes and guys please subscribe if you're enjoying these and uh leave us a review. That'd be awesome. You guys are great. You put a smile on my face. The reviews I've gotten so far uh, definitely have kind of boosted some confidence and, you know, they just feel good. You know what I mean? So, so that's great. You also can find all of our stuff on SoundCloud. Uh, we have a Facebook group at facebook.com slash like a Bigfoot. And my Instagram is also, wait for it, like a Bigfoot. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's get into the episode. This is Like a Bigfoot podcast number 66 with Natalie Larson about her adventure on the California Coastal Trail. All right, on today's episode, we ha- are very lucky and excited to have Natalie Larson back on the show. And Natalie just finished a 44-day, 18-hour, and if I'm wrong, tell me, Natalie, uh, 40 minutes uh, quest to complete the California California Coastal Trail um, in the with the fastest known time, and that's like a thousand one hundred seventy-one miles. So, congrats! It's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool. I was like totally every day I'd wake up and then you'd have a bunch of pictures on Instagram of just like the beautiful beach or the city and the coast. And I was like, wow, this is like a diverse trail she's on. Ah, thanks. Thanks for following the journey. Yeah, it was super cool. And it kind of makes was- it makes you not like me not be a lazy bum because I'm like, ah, crap, she's back out there. I got to get my <laughs> six mile workout in. <laughs> Aw, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it, I, I was surprised how many people told me that it was inspiring because I set out and I kind of felt like it was just a selfish thing that I was doing um, or going for the FKT. And then a lot of people were like, I want to go do that thing that I've been meaning to do, like take yeah. that to Thailand or go do another trail or so yeah can i is it okay so you wrote this really cool race report which i will definitely link on the facebook group and and to the show notes here but um is it embarrassing to for authors if i read like a sentence from it okay that's not an embarrassing thing okay um (laughs) you said this and i thought this was a cool way to start um you said a couple i encountered said a prayer to dr god for me praying that i would inspire others to take a leap of faith the way i did so Let's do it. Let's inspire others. That's super cool. Aw, thanks. Yeah, that's true. I guess your podcast is reaching way more people than I met on my trip. But so, yeah. Um, what like what inspired the journey? Like, why did you want to take this on? I guess um, it started like I started thinking about it maybe a year, year and a half ago um, when I got injured because I was just running ultras and I had been getting better and better and was just going on that path until a massage therapist injured me and I had to recover from that. And, um, I did a lot of walking and, um, I had been reading some of the ultra runners that I admire were doing these FKTs. And so I was like, what's something that 
would be easy for me to do. And nobody had actually recorded an FKT for the California Coastal Trail. And it was warm. I don't like cold weather. So that was another good thing. (laughs) That helps. That's like, I mean, if you were a person who liked cold weather and you were forcing yourself for 44 days on a warm weather course, like that would suck. So, and it was, it was also, it's also a good trail for beginners because I had done a little bit of backpacking, like 10 days was the most I had ever done. And, um, this, uh, yeah, this one, there's like food and water, uh, are pretty plentiful on the trail. And I think the longest I went between towns was like 60 miles. So, uh, if you're just starting out, it's pretty nice that way. Yeah. How much of it is wilderness and how much of it is city? Because, I mean, you're right on the coast. I guess I would say mostly city. There, The Lost Coast Trail um, in Northern California was probably the most desolate area. But, uh, yeah, probably like 70% city and then... 30% were like isolated, but it's hard to say. And then um, a lot of it is trail, but then some of it is highway one. And then um, you can also take, there's like the regular trail and then an alternate route. And a lot of times the regular route, you're supposed to hire a boat to take you across a body of water. And that was complicated. So I would take the alternate route usually if there is a boat and then I could just run it. Can we start with day one? Cause I know you just said you took a boat, but then I know what you did on day one. (laughs) Okay. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So day one, um, I started at the border. I, yeah, it was all, I didn't plan this very well or I didn't plan it really at all. Cause I, I had the idea that I wanted to do it and then had kind of been dragging my feet and it seemed like, a big thing to just go embark on this. And then, um, I got a call about, uh, my job. I've been waiting for this security clearance and I've had a little bit of time off while I'm waiting for it. And they said I had to be back in like late September or mid October for this interview. And so I was like, the only planning calculation I did was that if I didn't leave my door like that day or the next day, I wasn't going to have time to finish the trail. So I just grabbed all my stuff, a few things, put it in my Nathan hydration pack and like got an Uber to the border. And, um, did anyone yeah. know you were doing this? Like at the time, anyone else? Yeah. I mean, like, um, did your parents, did you tell them like, Hey, I'm going to do this crazy thing. Super quick. Yeah, I guess I, I did tell my parents and I told like a couple of close friends um, had a, I gave him a link to my spot device to, to oh, watch because yeah. it's like real time GPS updates. And then that way I figured if they see that I'm like stuck somewhere that, or the spot device is floating in the ocean that they'll like find and come rescue me. But, and then the other thing I did was, um, to get the FKT, uh, you have to announce on like this oh, website. Yeah. So that, and then you're supposed to post like updates on some site so that in public so that people can see it. So I announced there and told um, Peter Backwin is like the, in charge of that site. And I gave him a link to my spot device, but I didn't want to make it 
public so that I wouldn't have like stalkers finding That's actually, me. I didn't even think about that, but that probably is a concern, right? Like weirdos who are like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's a little bit freaky now that you say that. Yeah, so that's why for Spot, I would, like, check in and post the check-ins on Facebook, or they would automatically go to Facebook, but then uh, the real-time stuff, only Peter, my parents, and then a couple close friends had it, and, uh, yeah, but I, sorry, I, like, got off topic (laughs) from day one, because that was related to the boats, but, um, so day one, uh, I went, I got the Uber to the border. Well, actually, so, um, the original day one, I did like 20 miles and then, um, Oh yeah. I love this. Cause this is actually <laughs> when I started, I saw something on Instagram that you posted like a picture and like starting over. And I'm like, what is she starting over? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's doing this crazy thing. And she, like somehow screwed up day one (laughs) (laughs) because I I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't plan it and so luckily my mistake happened on the very first day and I could fix it just completely starting over but and it made me really conscious of like doing every I was like so worried about doing everything right from then on but but yeah so I like well I can tell so I I um I had to swim across a river on day one because uh the tijuana river i like went to the border and then i don't remember it's pretty soon after you go down the beach from the border and it was like it seemed like i would have to go inland quite a ways to try to get around and the easiest fastest thing to do is swim so i like put everything in my space blanket put it on my head and dog paddled across (laughs) The river. Please tell, please tell me that the Uber driver was still there, like driving no, away, and he was just like, "What the hell?" Yeah, is that going he was that close to the border, <laughs> but there was like, um, I think. Well, so I had to do it twice since I did the first day twice, and that was like the worst thing about just starting over. But yeah, yeah. But the first day. I like did that and I got farther and then I got like, I don't know, like maybe 25 miles that day and I was in downtown San Diego and it was getting dark and I had some friends there and they are ultra runner friends and they were like, they had dealt with um, other runners that we have mutual friends that have set world records and they were just thinking of like a world record. They weren't familiar with this whole FKT thing and the different categories of self-supported and supported and unsupported and so they were just like come you can spend the night with us and we'll come pick you up and we'll take you back to the exact same spot and like it it sort of made sense because I was thinking if I got a hotel I'd have to pay for it but I could just stay with them and I would be free and but then um it turns out that that would put me in the supported character category because i know them can you kind of like distinguish between the three categories because i don't even know if i know the difference between self-supported and unsupported like is there like a really like quick easy like you know explanation for the three he has it on the on the pro board it's like fktproboards.com or something okay on the site there are some rules that like that's the one thing that they do 
set out. I mean, there are all these like little nuanced situations that you could nitpick and be like, was it violating a rule or not? But um, the as far as I can tell, the basic thing is like if it's unsupported, then you have to carry everything on your back pretty much. But if it's self-supported, you can buy things along the way. Or if you run into, like, somebody along the way and they, like, happen to, like, offer you food, then you can accept it um, from, like, trail angels, they call them. Um, And then supported, then you could even have, like, somebody, like, driving behind you in a van, like, handing you water every five miles. So I figured, like... If I'm going to go to the trouble of carrying everything on my back, then I want to be in the self-supported category. And because I wasn't planning to stay with friends a lot along yeah. the way. So. Yeah. So but you I, woke I, up and you're like, oh, no, I just made a huge mistake. Yeah. It was even that night and I had trouble sleeping because huh. I messaged, I put something on the message board, like asking about it. And then. Peter was so nice to like, he answered all my questions that I had like right away, which is so helpful. And he was like, yeah, that's definitely not going to work for if you want to be self-supported. So then uh, I was, I was like, well, I guess the only thing I can do is just start over. So I was like, okay. So then back to the river. Got another Uber to the river. The second Uber driver's calling the first one. Like, did you see this girl? She's swimming across the river. Was there anybody at the river, like, watching you? There, I'm trying to remember because there were two different times. And the first time, I think there was somebody that saw me, like, trying to get across. And then they, like, left. And I was like, oh, man, it would have been nice to, like, have somebody at least watching for my safety. But yeah, And then the second yeah, That seems <laughs> like a jerk time. move to just leave. What? I see that seems really mean just for that person to just be like, oh, there's a person swimming across the river. Peace out. Yeah, maybe I looked really awkward and they wanted to give, leave me alone or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the 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 second time I remember there was a, a person or one of – no, I'm pretty – yeah, the second time there was a person on a horse. And then um, they were – I guess they take horses along there and they were on the other side and – I think they watched me the whole time. They didn't like say anything, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. and it was. It's not like a huge river, but it definitely was like, you know, if if there's an option to not swim across another river, then that would be good to not have to swim across another river. That's so cool, though. That's like the perfect way to start this adventure, though. Like it's that's the true. perfect way of like, hey. You're right. You're swimming across the river in your ultra running gear and you have a thousand some miles to go. Like, yeah. good luck. That's so cool. I, I was so glad none of my electronics like fell in the river. So that was good. Yeah. So you started going like, I mean, the first, like Southern California, what, what's some stories that kind of came out of there um, that were like really memorable? Because um, I feel like this is from someone who's been to California twice for a couple days. Um, but I don't know much about California, but like my view of it is that Southern California is pretty populated and then Northern California is less, less people. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cause, um, 
Southern California was really nice because they had like water fountains everywhere and restaurants and like even I carried like maybe like one package of nuts for like an emergency or something but you didn't have to carry food I I had like one handheld water bottle and sometimes I had like half of it full sometimes I had the whole thing full but it you didn't even need to carry water there's like drinking fountains and then up in northern California um there were streams and I had a water purifier but the food was like a lot more spread out and but Southern California, I mean, it was fun because I live here and I lived in San Diego for like three years and Riverside for two years and would like go to the different beaches on trips. And so it, it felt really familiar. But um, it was funny because I posted the whole thing about the having to start over the first day and one of my hiking friends who knows about FKTs, but he was just like, have you ever considered FKT as like fuck it and like carefree sort of like yeah like, <laughs> like yeah okay that's so a cool of, like carefree attitude for the whole thing yeah so that started started it off and I was like okay and I put like a little hang ten thing like uh, commenting on it and then the same day or that that I started over I was in like some restaurant. And they had, like, a big hang 10 sticker. It was like, ah, oh, it's, like, a good sign. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, um, oh, also on the first day, it was so weird and cool. I mean, it was almost like it felt like it was meant to be that I had to start over because um, that night, it was, like, 1030 at night, and I was walking around in, like, a city street in, in uh, San Diego, not on, like, a trail or anything, and this old man is like has a backpack on and is like whistling coming towards me and I was like are you backpacking too <laughs> on the trailer <laughs> like whatever and it, it turned out that um his name's uh Reinhold Metzger and uh he had the unsupported fastest known time for the John Muir trail and I think maybe some other records but he was like super into hiking and like this hiking legend and he was amazing and he was like we stood there talking for like an hour and woke up his neighbors but um (laughs) whoa what a weird like weird coincidence you know like what are the chances yeah it's crazy i don't know it just is kind of like and he wasn't I don't think he even knew that that was the California coastal trail that it went through there. And he was just, he was like, yeah, I'm just training. Uh, I like hiking at night. Night, The night's a good time to hike. And he had like weights in his backpack training. Wow. That's so crazy. So the first night, like, I mean, I guess how often on this journey were you staying in hotels versus, Um, um, I don't know, like camping out or whatever? I think it was probably about every four or five days I would get a hotel on average. I should be interesting to actually calculate it, but uh, it was just kind of whenever it worked out, most of the time I would just um, camp. I didn't have a tent. I just had a bivy bag and I could just tuck in like off to the side of the road. I did try to sleep in like official campsites but sometimes it just I got super tired and I like 
wasn't close to anything and so i just would like sleep wherever yeah what about the first night though so you talk to this guy and then like are you still like hey i'm just going through the night tonight or so i had planned to go a lot farther well he actually kind of changed the whole thing because well i had been injured like two weeks before the trip i was in iowa visiting my family and i was trying to run with the muscatine running friends there and I, I did like a five mile run at 10 minute pace and my leg just like hurt so bad. Oh, I had injured it before that, yeah. but yeah. I had tried to come back and anyway, it didn't, it was two weeks later and I felt like, okay. And I knew I had to like get out the door and do it. And so I was telling Reinhold, like, I don't know how many miles I'm going to do per day. I'm just going to, or I don't know how far I'm even going to go. Um, if I'll make the FKT or not. And he was just like, encouraging me to have a goal every day and so I told him like okay I'll try to do 30 miles a day so if I hadn't met him I don't know if I would have completed it or completed it in the time I did because I think I averaged like around 25 and a half miles of running every day but do you think you would have like tried to do like go way too hard or go way too far like towards the beginning like, do you think you would have overdone it, maybe, if you hadn't talked to him? Yeah, that could have been. I mean, or just not gone far enough. Because I think that night I was – I wanted to go farther. I don't remember how many miles I was going to do. Because I guess to get to him, it must have been about 20 miles already. And um, so I, that so from to get farther, I guess, yeah, I wanted to do about 30. But, um, but I didn't – I wasn't – gonna have like a goal in mind and um but but he was telling me like take I don't remember the name of the street but he's like take this street to get to where you want to go because he looked at the map and I was like well I can't take that street because I had I like navigation was half the battle trying to follow the exact route and so I was like no I can't take that street because it's not on my official route and I tried to go on the official route and then there was like a big gate to like private property. Yeah. That's and so okay. like, I really should have taken the route that he told me, but yeah. anyway, he so was like, I are you kidding me? They like, I'm put here as your Yoda right now. That's like, true, come on. Right? <laughs> I know, he really was. And I listen to him. You're like, I gotta go my own way, Yoda. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So, okay, so I just, I'm curious about like, I know you've met some like awesome people on this trip, Um, but was it intimidating, like, was it intimidating just going out there by yourself? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess I had, like, I guess it wasn't super intimidating because I do a lot of running like at night alone and I know other people don't like that I do that or get scared for me or even like, you know, like the only scary experience I've had in in Riverside, this guy was like biking around me. It was kind of weird. And then he like gave me his mace and was like, I think you need this more than I do. And, uh, which I took on my trip, actually, that mace was yeah. the only thing I had. But, but yeah, it didn't. I guess being alone didn't bother me because I was training a lot alone in Riverside. But, um, yeah, and 
and that night that I saw Reinhold, I, I ended up camping in like, I think it was Sunset Beach um, alone too, I guess. I did worry about, you know, camping in undesignated areas and and sort of a little bit about, yeah, people finding me camping alone. I felt safer when I was in like a camp or obviously a hotel, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to imagine that would be one of the, the big fears, like just running into, I, I running into weird, creepy people, but at the same time, I know the people almost made the journey for you, you know, like yeah. there's both sides of the coin there. Um, my friend, uh, I, I had a buddy write some que- like a couple questions and uh it's it's Brady Manriquez. He sometimes oh, yeah. on the podcast I'll text him like, "Dude, I'm talking to this person. What are some questions?" and then he'll word uh-huh. things way better than I ever could. So he wants to say he wanted to know this um he said, "I want to know about like the religious implications on her run. So by that he means she made a point to document the different serendipitous moments coincidences moments of luck along the way and i'm wondering if she had any sort of like i don't like i'm not like religious experience experience but like some weird experience all alone depending on the kindness of others uh as a lonely traveler i felt like yeah i mean it's hard i feel like in the podcast i'm gonna like forget some important thing that happened but there were just so many like crazy coincidences like meeting Reinhold and then it was also weird with Reinhold like I didn't hear from him the whole time I gave him my email address and I sent him a link to my spot didn't hear anything and then came home it took me like two weeks to finish my write-up of the blog and then like five minutes after I finish typing like the rough draft um that's online right now um, I checked my email and there's an email from Reinhold and he was like, how did you do on your trip? It was so weird. <laughs> he said he was wow. like on vacation. Yeah. In Europe. And um, he's just, he is just so inspiring. And then he was saying, you know, that uh, we crazy. Oh, and then I emailed him later and I was like, it was so weird. You emailed me right after like five minutes after I finished it. And he said like, he had some great quotes about um, how like other hikers had been criticized for not like stopping to appreciate the beauty and like running through to get an FKT and how um, how there's something to be said for pushing your body to the limit and striving for something. And but he said we crazy ones understand each other, and that's why <laughs> that's what he said why he happened to email me at like two in the morning when I finished my it's the Yoda dude it's the Yoda factor that's all (laughs) that's so cool yeah but but there are just so many things like that like there was one time when um I don't know how I lost my jacket like I mean the night before that I had stayed at a hotel and there just happened to be like this free bottle of wine in the hotel and so I had like two glasses and I fell asleep with the lights on because I was so exhausted and so I don't know if it was because of that that I like forgot my jacket or 
it was like then the next day I was hiking and the wind I don't know like miles per hour what it was but it was like the strongest wind I've ever encountered and I had the coat under like a bungee cord in my bag and I thought it was also hooked like um, either with a clip or a safety pin but anyway it might have blown away but I I had had it like um, up until that point and nothing it didn't anyway seem to like come undone but um, I went it started getting really cold and I went uh, to put on my jacket and it just wasn't there and um, so I was like well I guess and it was getting really late at night so I started I was like well I guess I'll just keep going so I got to the end of this like five mile trail and then there were two people there and they're like, you look cold. Like, well, I told them about what I was doing. And um, I don't think I said that I had lost my jacket, but they're just like, huh, it's kind of funny. It's really cold out and you're wearing a T-shirt. And like, <laughs> yeah. and and then they offered me their hat and their jacket because they, they were going camping and had a bunch of stuff. And so. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I got to imagine like, when you go up to strangers and you tell them what you're doing, I mean, it's just the idea of like someone going out, pushing their limits, challenging themselves, trying to do something so almost unfathomable. Like that just makes people get on your side right away. You know, like any, if like 99% of people are going to fully support and help you along the way with that. Um, just knowing that you're chasing this really cool goal. Um, it's the part of like, you know, being inspired by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and- you put it really well. Cause I, yeah, I did feel like exactly what you said. Like there were like everybody, as soon as they heard about what I was doing, they're just like, Oh, can we give you some food? Can like I, people offered me a place to stay? Like um, a lot of times I, didn't have to pay for things they like the people that own the restaurant would just be like oh it's free or even one time this guy didn't even I didn't even tell him anything about what I was doing he was behind me in line and this has never happened to me before but he was just like offered to pay for everything that I was gonna buy at the store it was so weird that's so cool yeah yeah I mean it's just it it's that's inspiring to me. And that probably, that's why I think that's the question like we're trying to get at there is like the kindness of strangers, like that has to be very powerful. And did that kind of propel you at any point? Was there any point where you felt low and then, you know, you ran into somebody that just boosted your spirits? Yeah. I mean, the first, I mean, it happened, I guess the most memorable one was the first day, um, or technically the second day, but um, I had um, these people that I knew, and um, one of them, like, was taking his anger out on me for some reason, and it was, like, super upsetting to me, and I was feeling really down about that, and then um, I met this guy with, that was, like, the first I guess, encounter with, um, a person on the trail. Yeah. And, um, I told him about what I was doing and he was just like, Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Can I take my picture with you? And 
he was with his little daughter and they oh. lived in in Mexico but they were visiting San Diego and it was just like wow that was like he I was honored that he wanted to do that and he was super nice and then that's so cool that's almost about to make me cry because I'm just thinking about like my own daughters and the fact that like I mean I don't know if this is true or not but there's like more male like athletics and like outdoorsmen and stuff you know and to see this like strong badass female approaching you on the trail and then hearing about what she's doing and then just like being able to take a picture and then later showing that to your daughter like remember when we met this girl like how cool is that and then maybe she becomes inspired to go after her own you know go after her own badass goal it's just i don't know man that's just it's really inspiring and i think about that quite a bit as a dad like i want my kids have these positive role models in their lives and like it's just so cool seeing people actually going out and being those role models Uh yeah so super cool i won't cry if you don't cry so okay (laughs) (laughs) so that's awesome like that was early on in your trip or was that later what was the very first i think well the it was the was it the um yeah it was technically the second day but the first day if if it was the the first day he was probably just like that's the crazy lady that was swimming in the water (laughs) (laughs) we gotta get a picture with her it was was weird the i guess that was the first day too but there was somebody that i made it to like somewhere in san diego oh it was okay it was the next morning after i camped at sunset beach and then i went um and had breakfast someplace before the eclipse started that day and um this woman came up to me and was like were you at the border yesterday i saw you with your uber driver <laughs> she didn't see me across the river but that's she good. saw that's me good. with the uber driver maybe she was just being nice and she's like i'll just tell her i saw her with the uber driver and not just drenched in water um, yeah exactly that's so it cool was, luckily it was warm out but and did you yeah. experience this like kindness of strangers the whole entire way like throughout the whole entire yeah. journey it just and then at the very end too there was um i mean there's like so many people and it would be hard to list them all but um at the end of the journey i was trying to like hurry up and get done on time plus my parents without double checking with me um booked a flight to oregon to meet me at the end and um so they that and they were only staying for a week and so it was like all this pressure to get done on time and plus I was tired and yeah. anyway, so um there's a place where you're supposed to get a boat and the company that normally does it is closed on Mondays and it happened to be a Monday. And so um I called this hotel that was like where they're supposed to drop you off or uh, around there and they gave the lady there was really nice and gave me a list of people to call and I think it was like the first one that I called and the girl said um well can you like send me a picture of where you want us to pick you up and then we'll text you back later and tell you if uh we'll be able to pick you up at that location or not. And I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't, 
I had terrible cell phone reception, so I wasn't counting on ever hearing back from her again. And I went down my list, and I thought for sure I'd find somebody to take me in a boat. And there was nobody. And, I mean, part of the problem was I was running, and I didn't know what time I'd get there. And I might get there at night, and then nobody wanted to take me at night. So I so I just, after, like, an hour or two of trying, I gave up because I was like, I got to get on the road. So I got to, um, like, two miles from the river, and I hadn't um, – had good cell phone reception the whole way. And then all of a sudden, like two miles from the river, my phone has cell phone reception and a text comes in from the girl and she was like, what time do you want us to pick you up? Wow. (laughs) So weird. That's awesome. So I was like, well, um, in like half an hour, but if it's too late, I totally understand. And then she's like, no, my fiancé and I can come and get you. Just uh, meet us there in half an hour. That's so cool. It was so crazy. And then, yeah, and then she, they they run, it's called the Gold River Lodge. And they run, um, it has like rooms. And so they still had this little cabin that was free that night. And they were like, if you want to, you could stay there too. And that worked out really well because that night I think it got down to like 36 degrees and all I had was my bivy bag, so I would have been pretty cold. Yeah. Well, I read so, on your on your report too, you said you were able to book a room at 3 a.m. Uh, at a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. that they was... said you look like a fairy coming out of the mist. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, that night... Um, I was pretty tired and I originally was hoping to go farther, but I was just so tired and like, uh, all of a sudden there's like a B and B and it's open at three in the morning. Cause usually out there in Northern California, those little town stuff would close down like super early. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but it said like vacancy and then this like dog came running up to me. So I was like, Oh, maybe there's people. And then, then there was a person. And then it turned out like one of their guests was like playing his guitar, I guess late that night. And that's why they were up or I don't know if I don't, I assume they're not up till three in the morning. every morning. I don't know. Those crazy bread and bed and breakfasts. Who knows? Yeah. Having parties every night. But, (laughs) and then it turned out that that guy who was up playing his guitar, like, was on this motorcycle trip across the U.S. And when he was young, he had ridden his bike from, like, Minnesota to Canada. So Wow. That was cool, Yeah, too. so he had his own kind of adventure he could relate to. Yeah, there were, I met a lot of people like that, too. That There was a guy I met who ran the ferry uh, to Balboa Island and he spent like six years just sailing to different countries and he had like a route around the U.S. that he would do and then the the other his like assistant there like lives out of his car and travels and and then this other guy that like um the night with that I lost my coat that couple was like oh like there's also a restaurant up ahead that's open really late and it's like pay whatever you feel like and you should definitely stop there so I go there 
And then they surprised me and showed up there. And then it was like this guy, Elliot, his 72nd birthday. And then they had this huge birthday party with wine and cake. And like, it turned out that he was like this world traveler that had spent years just like traveling in different countries. And it was crazy. Wow. It's kind of like the, it's just, it's surprising, honestly, for a self-supported. And maybe that speaks to, the coat like the coastal trail itself and where it's going through and that it is going in all these cool communities and beach towns and things like that but um it's just funny that self-supported seems to transform almost into like community because you're meeting these really neat people i know and originally when i started out i was like worried that I couldn't accept like gifts or anything from anybody. And I double checked with Peter and he told me like, no, if, if it's self-supported, then you can accept the trail angels help. So then from then on, I was like, okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I also read in your blog that when you got to San Francisco, you started to resemble a homeless person and the homeless <laughs> recognized you as part of their own. Yeah. How did that feel? That's an interesting experience, I got to imagine. I think, like, by the end of it, personally, on this trip, I did feel more like a homeless person than an athlete, Um, just with, like, being so dirty and sleeping in all these crazy places. And um, Where was the craziest place you slept? Oh, that's a good question. I mean... I was in uh, Big Sur and slept like pretty, well, a couple of times. I was just off to the side of the road. Um, it did. It, it worked out one time. I met, well, this couple at night that I had seen them at a grocery store. And then I was running and I just kept getting like all these, it felt like signs that I shouldn't keep going and I should like stop and sleep that night like the lady at the grocery store warned me that there were mountain lions and then a police officer stopped me and was like are you okay why are you running in the middle of the night and then then this couple that I'd seen at the grocery store stopped and they were like um do you need anything and I didn't but uh they told me about this 24-hour like farm stand where the like people would be cool and I could camp there and so I went there and um they hadn't told me but there was like an art gallery in the back that was open and it was heated and it was super cold out and um so I camped in there and there was even like a little mat on the floor and it was really nice and comfy so the floor wasn't hard and um I met the owners in the morning and like told them what I was doing and they were like, Oh no, it was totally cool. And I bought some of their produce and I mean, that was one of the yeah. <laughs> most interesting places I camped, I guess. But, yeah. um, that's really cool. I mean, so you said you weren't like really, were you comfortable just throwing out a tent anywhere? I mean, cause you said you only backpack like 10 days before. Yeah, um, and I had yeah I had I hadn't. Oh, are you just like so tired that you're just like I, I can sleep just, forever? Exactly. I was just so exhausted after doing like between some days I did like forty miles a couple days, not that many days, but and then I think like I said on average about twenty five and a half miles. But uh, 
The homeless people. I didn't get to tell you about the homeless people. I like got off on another tangent. Yeah, definitely tell me about uh, becoming one with the homeless people. Yes. Um, I think that when I wrote that, I was, it, I was in San Francisco, and that night um, I had gone a really long way, and uh, I was hoping to get a hotel – but nothing was open. I didn't realize like it's a big city and it, it might've even been like a Friday night and nothing was open. And so I just crashed on the beach in some of these ice plants. They're called like these succulents and it was actually really comfortable, but for like an hour and then um, got up and went to the gas station nearby when it was open. And there was another guy, a homeless guy there. And he was just like, Hey, how's it going? And like, um, he was interested in my, uh, space blanket and was asking me if it if it really worked and and then he was like telling me about his about being homeless and then some other his homeless friends came over and yeah. so I said hello to them and they and they were warning me like you know you got to be careful in the city because some of the homeless aren't so nice and they're on drugs and they'll steal from you but also watch out for the police because they're on the war path right now and um so that was interesting. And then I guess before that I had been like walking by a gas station and a homeless person just like gave me this nod, like, um, they, like we were on the same page or they, so, um, I have the same question though. Does do space blankets actually work? (laughs) They're so flimsy. I don't understand. I don't get space blankets. Yeah. I guess it like reflects the heat back on your body. And so, but it, I started off with the bivy bag was just made out of that space blanket material. And that was not a good situation because I would wake up, it like makes you sweat or it keeps the moisture in. And so I'd be all sweaty, but like cold. And oh. luckily I, I found, um, I stopped at an REI in, where was it? Santa Monica and found like this breathable one and then I would layer like the breathable one inside the space blanket and it did work it worked really well I don't know how how cold it got like at least in the 40s and I stayed warm so nice Nice. well um I this is I've been waiting because I've been waiting to ask this because I've been like I know it happened in northern California so I was like oh maybe it'll fit into like the story here but I know that you had to scare away a mountain lion. <laughs> how do you scare away a mountain lion and how did that happen? And like, well, how are you feeling in the moment and all that? I fun could stuff? tell you the, the story of the whole day starting from, because it was a very stressful day before I got to the mountain lion experience. Um, so like I woke up that day, the night before, well, I could go back to the night before. There's so many like cool stories that yeah. happened. But... No, go back to the night before. I okay, hear about it. I, I'll go back to the night. Like every day was interesting. But yeah. The night before, I'll go back to the night before. It was stressful because um, like I had made it. I was happy that day. I made it to Shelter Cove, which is like the halfway point of the Lost Coast Trail, which was the thing that I guess – scared me the most because it was the most isolated and um 
part with no like stores or anything and and a lot more elevation change like the rest of southern california is so flat but then northern there's more hills and so i was happy to make it to shelter cove stopped at the store and bought some stuff but i still wanted to go farther that night um saw like two shooting stars that was cool and then um was trying to find where the trail started it started on um the beach, I guess, and I i thought I was following the signs. There was, like, a big sign that said trailhead this way, trailhead and bathrooms this way. So I follow it. I find the bathrooms, and there's a parking lot, and I'm looking, and, like, the only thing that looks like a trail is, like, this metal gate, um, and, it, and it was a trail going down, but it didn't have like a sign or anything. So I thought, okay, so I go down there. The guidebook said I'm supposed to cross a stream. There's a stream. I cross it and then the trail just disappears and there's nothing there. And I was like this, the Lost Coast Trail is pretty well trod and this doesn't make sense. And so I spent like an hour trying to figure out like, where does it go? Cause there were like animal trails leading off and I was so upset. So I just like went back up to the, went back up to the um, street and was looking at the map again. And like, uh, I think I was even like so frustrated. I was crying and like, I was just like, Oh my gosh. So I, it did look on the, like on the map, like there was like a place where, um, another place you could get to the beach. So I was like, well, even though the sign didn't say to go that way, I'll go that way and try it. So I go that way. And then there happened to be these two people, this couple who was just like um, camping out of their car that night. And they were super nice and like, hey, how's it going? And I told them about the whole thing. I was like, is there like a trail up here? And they're like, well, there's the beach. And like, that's a very california answer like well no there's the beach yeah (laughs) i was like well that that's gotta be it and they were like yeah we think it's they did say like this we think it's the lost coast trail or we were talking and but they were like before you go do you want a beer (laughs) i was like okay sure and and then they gave me um uh Nutella and peanut butter um, tortilla wrap thing too, and so their like kindness like cheered me up a lot. And I was like, okay. And then I got to the beach, and then it 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 didn't. I didn't see a, a, another sign for the Lost Coast Trail, but um, it it did. I followed it along, and um, it it was the right way, and so that was good that that worked out. But um, it was it was really hard to see at night because it was really misty and then my headlamp you couldn't see very far and and uh, so I couldn't it, it was stressful too because in that section of the lost coast people have died because the water will come in and then you can't get off the beach and you get trapped and then the waves take you out to the ocean so it was really stressful hiking at night not being able to see knowing that like. I knew where it was like up ahead and I hadn't gotten there yet to the problem areas, but it was still stressful. Um, And then my headlamp started to die and I was like, what am I going to (laughs) do? So, um, so there was like a place where you could camp that was, um, 
close by. So I, I just like ducked in there and camped um, behind these people were, were, were camping there. So I went behind them and slept there. Okay, so now in the morning, the morning of the mountain lion day, I woke up there and I didn't set my alarm, but apparently I was like so exhausted that I slept later than I expected or maybe I, I had some melatonin with me that I might have taken because I wasn't tired because I thought I'd be going farther. And anyway, so I, I woke up at like 10.30 and the, the time window for making it past the next problem section was supposed to end like in half an hour. And if I didn't make it past there, then I and I wanted to still finish the next segment by the end of the day, I would have had to have gone like I don't know, a really long way in a short amount of time, um, and it would have been stressful. So I needed to. Is it just like because of the tides? Is that why? Like yeah, the problem section yeah. is because of the ocean. Okay. Because the you have to go when the tide is below. I think it was below three feet was safe, and I had made pictures of the tide tables on my phone and um there was like a low tide at 10 30 and then in, the next one was at 9 p.m oh, and wow. so yeah so I really wanted to like run the like eight miles or however much it was like before in, in that window so but I woke up and then there was this magical cliff bar that just appeared that was like, I guess somebody left it for me right there. So that was cool That's <laughs> in cool. the morning. And then this uncle and his nephew were hiking um, past me. And I like was asking them if they knew up ahead if it was low tide. And they were like, yeah, it's low. And then they like gave me a bunch more protein bars. And they said they saw a human skull up ahead. Which like kind of freaked me out. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that yeah. you're human. Is it like okay? So I'm trying to imagine. So is there like cliffs? Like are you like stuck? So if you'd make the decision to go and then the tide comes up, are you basically like I yeah. have nowhere to go? You're stuck there, wow. and then there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and that's people really have died because of that. Or I was reading after the fact that um, people. Like just um, the the tide wasn't so far up that it like s swept them, but it was like they had to climb around slippery rocks, and then it just sort of got in their feet and they tripped, and then it swept them out, and then yeah, and so that's intense. That's really yeah. Intense. And this is before and, the mountain line. <laughs> so, yeah. So just setting the stage that's for crazy. My was feeling yeah. and it was at the end of the trip so I was already kind of burnt out and everything and str really stressed out about the whole tide issue and so um I just like I was like running as fast as I could and I would have I, I had like there was uh I knew the places where you could get off and um go back into the woods like where the, there's like a break in the cliffs you know where there's like yeah. a stream or something and um every time I would get there I would like stop and ask um if I saw people like to make sure that I could still keep going and um and I could and I but anyway I was running like as fast as I could and finally I got to like 
almost the end of the segment and the guy was this guy was like yeah you just gotta make it around this point like it we're not sure if you can make it but if you do then just go to that bluff trail and then you'll be like safe because you'll be on the bluff up uh, on top of you know the beach and I was like okay and um I got to the point and uh it it, it you know, I can't remember exactly what it looked like. It was a little scary, like climbing over the slippery rocks, but, but I made it around there and then got to the bluff trail and I was like, so relieved to have made it there. And then, um, so then that afternoon I just was like hiking slowly because, um, I had until 9 PM to get to the next problem segment. So I get to the next problem segment and then I was there too early because uh, I tried to go and I could just see like the ocean was like hitting the, the wall. I couldn't go. So I just waited another hour and took a nap. And it was actually like, that was like a really nice time because I was so scared the rest of the day that I could just like the relax. The moment of reprieve basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then um, I set my alarm and got up so I could go, like, as soon as it was the tide was low enough. And so got past there. And then, uh, yeah, it was misty again, and I couldn't see again. And so the beach was pretty wide. And if I wanted to walk on the packed sand, I couldn't really see the landscape to my right of like the, um, the bluffs or like where there might be a trail leading up like a bluff trail. And so I was just going on the packed sand for a while, but then I came to this place where you had to climb over rocks. I don't know if I missed something or if there's an easier way or a bluff trail that I missed, but it was really scary. And, uh, is slippery rocks at night climbing and the only other time in Malibu, it was like that too. And that was because um, that was like before I realized, you know, that I should read ahead a few pages in the guidebook. And it was written for somebody that's going north to south instead of south to north. And I missed the part where it said that you're only supposed to go there in a negative tide. So, oh. yeah. But this, anyway, so this was, it was really scary climbing over these slippery rocks and I get past that and, um, and then I see like this bluff trail and I was like so happy to see a trail because you're moving so slow over the rocks. It's not like running, you can't run it when they're slippery. And so I get to the, the bluff trail and I was so happy to have found that trail that I took a picture of it. And then I look up, and there's the mountain lion. <laughs> oh, was it looking at you? Was it, like, stalking you? Or did you just run into it, basically? I just, it, it was on the trail up ahead of me on um, a, a little hill off to the side. And it was looking down at me. And uh, my light was, like, reflecting its eyes. And I tried... Like, the couple I had met the night before were, like, they work in, like, the outdoor industry, and they're, like, you got to say, like, hey, bear, like, <laughs> as you're walking. Like, I'm a mountain lion. <laughs> exactly. So I was, like, hey, mountain lion. <laughs> sat there looking at me. No way. And then, 
and then I tried like playing music out of my phone and I tried like uh, clapping and then my backpack had a whistle that was really loud and I like blew the whistle really loud. It didn't care. It just was staring at you this whole time as you're trying. And I, was like, I couldn't, I didn't, I was like, I, I wanted to go ahead on the trail, but I didn't want to, I was afraid to just yeah. walk on the trail and it was right there. And, and I'm a small person. I'm like five, less than five feet tall. And I know that they like prey on children and yeah. small people. And so anyway, so I was just like, I had read about this technique for dogs in this race I was going to do last year called Vol State. That's 500 K across Tennessee where you just like yell something obscene at them, like in an angry voice. And it's more about your tone. But if you say something obscene, then it helps you get the right tone. Helps you get into so, character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just like, get the fuck away. <laughs> like really loud. Were like, you like, I'm going to let my anger out from the last yeah. day of stress that I've had. Yeah, I think even without thinking about it, I was just so tired and stressed out and like exhausted and frustrated with everything that I was just like, just get away. Yeah. Did it run and, away? And then it just ran away. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's intense. Like the rest of the night, were you looking over your shoulder? Or? Yeah. And then I another one and other people are like it was probably the same one following you but oh, I, I don't see another one and I just uh, I yelled at it again and then it also ran away but it was farther away and it wasn't worrying me so much I just saw like the eyes but but that that was that was scary <laughs> that sounds scary yeah I I don't even I can't even imagine do they tell you like take off your bag and, like look bigger I don't know like yeah I have heard that and like I tried to like after that I was like waving my arms around like trying to look bigger but yeah I he remember my for it he was just it was, like yeah. yeah well that yeah I guess I don't know if I tried that too much I might have tried it when it was there, but even afterwards, I was worried that it was following me, and I was like, "But your arms get tired after a while." And are you do you just go into like the mode of like mindless mode where you're like, "Hey, I just got to keep going forward because yeah. there's obviously a mountain lion out here, but there's nothing I can really do about it." Yes, that just was keep like, going. Yeah, exactly. That was like the whole trip was a lot of that because. It would be like, well, I'm here. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I could go back, but it's, you know, sometimes it's like the same distance back as it is forward. Yeah, and that makes so sense. I just, well, mm -hmm. I guess like let's kind of get to the, the the end of the journey. Like how amazing was the last day or were you bummed that it was over? Because I hear that from some people about through hikes, but I don't know about FKT seems so exhausting that you would just be kind of relieved. Yeah, I I feel like um like it was kind of anticlimactic for me because I was just so tired that like I was too tired to be excited. Yeah. <laughs> and, and um I I think when my parents told me that they were in Oregon waiting for me, that was almost like I was like crying cuz I was so like 
happy that I had made it that far. And I remember when I crossed, like, the Golden Gate Bridge, I, like, almost started crying because I was like, it's the Golden Gate Bridge. I made it from Mexico here. But then um, but the last day, I kind of – I just wanted it to kind of be done. And so I had been pretty careful up until, like, the last two days about – not getting injured, not doing too much, sleeping when I was tired. And then the last 48 hours, I was just like, um, after I ended up, I stayed with, I had originally planned to not stay with the couple that gave me the boat ride. I was planning to take a detour over a bridge and then get to the next city and stay there. But, but actually staying with them allowed me to just run like that after I got up from there I just ran um through the next night and then into the next through the next day into the next morning and um without stopping to sleep again and um so I was definitely I I felt like I remember I was pretty close to the border and then there's like another place where you have to climb over these scary rocks yeah. I was like Again, like yeah. I, I was done with this. Like this is like the last test before you can get there. And um, but I like had my phone out with the map and the border, and it was like it was cool to be like see myself like crossing through the border. And I went a little extra to make sure. Yeah, I made it. But um, and then my parents like weren't actually there when I finished because. <laughs> You're just waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, for a little bit, That's which funny. is fine. Yeah, because it was my cell phone didn't have good reception, so I kind of told him an estimate of when I would be there, and um, but that was that was okay. Then they got there like ten minutes later. And How like, weird of a feeling is that? Like you cross and you did this insane thing, like probably the hardest thing you've ever done. And no, like you're by yourself though at the end, you know what I mean? Like people think about runners and you think about like the New York city marathon and there's all these people at the end. Yeah. Like cheering you on, but like to do this thing, that's like so much harder and so incredibly insane. And you're, you still get to process it by yourself at the end. Like it's kind of cool actually. I guess you're right. Yeah. The whole thing was a lot of being with myself too. And, um, but it was, I mean, I guess it got cold. I remember that <laughs> because I lost my hat along the way. And in Oregon, it was like cold, really a lot. I mean, it's, I kept getting north, plus it kept getting more towards fall and winter. And yeah. so it was like um, colder and colder. And once I stopped running, I was like, it's, it's actually really cold and I don't feel like running anymore. <laughs> I feel like you just, the whole trail, you just wears Waldo'd it. Where, do you remember the book? Like he started off the book with like a backpack and like a hat and a compass and all this stuff. And then each page he would lose it. And by the end he was just like in pants and, and a shirt. <laughs> oh, I've never read that. Well, but you yeah. don't really read it necessarily. See, you're smart. And I'm like, where's Waldo? Uh, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I actually like went back and watched after I got home um, Forrest Gump because people would be like comparing it. I'd be like, I haven't seen that in a long time. But then there's like a seven minute segment where he runs across yep. the country. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh i see so many parallels like totally i bet that's so cool yeah that's that's awesome he actually uh that race i was telling you about in the desert um he he stops running there um in monument valley oh is that where he stopped yeah so they asked for there was an ultra there last year yeah you did your ultra yeah where i felt really terrible i was just i was standing and i was like looking at that road and i'm like tom hanks was on that road so you can run chris (laughs) and it actually i read it wasn't even him running it was like his brother was his stunt double really no way he couldn't even run but yeah come on tom hanks run like that's not a crazy stunt what yeah um but but it was because like people in the in the movie people are like interviewing them like are you doing this for world peace are you doing this for the children and he's just like i just felt like running and i kind of felt like that like that's so cool people kept asking me but it was just um i mean i guess i had the fkt was motivating me but but also just running yeah that's great what uh so this is kind of our wrap-up question on the show now um because i'm trying to evolve it just from being inspired because like listening to all these conversations like i definitely leave super inspired um and i'm hoping people listen they leave inspired as well but like beyond that like how do you how could someone take the inspiration from what you did and apply it to their own lives and like make make action out of inspiration yeah, I mean, I guess I wish that I had done it sooner and just taken that action. It definitely helped to have a deadline, but, um, but yeah, I'm not good at giving advice, but maybe the example of what I did will, will help people yeah. to do something similar and just go for it. I mean, because that's, it, that's what, how, how it worked. I just... Um, oh. Hold on. I mean, I'm the I have the personality that I like to just jump into things and uh, and go for it without planning too much. Yeah. Hold on one second. And, oh yeah. Hey, buddy, we're wrapping up here, and I'll put you to bed. Okay. I like that shirt. Do you want to show Natalie your cool shirt? It's about camping. No, no, okay. No. Okay. Okay. You're shy. Hey, um, I'm gonna beat you upstairs in five minutes. Okay. Okay, you want to wrap up the podcast with me? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we have just been joined by a four-year-old at 9.30 at night, so this should be interesting. Um, yeah, I guess, is there any anything else you want to leave the Like a Bigfoot listeners? Um, I guess I have my blog. I need to edit it, but it has a lot of the stuff that happened in stories if people um, – want to read that i feel like there's too much to like go into you know on the blog it's excellent like honestly i spent the last before i started talking to you i spent for like 25 minutes reading the blog and i am like serious i'm serious when i say this you're a really great writer and this the opening paragraph was so good Uh i just want to post that along with this podcast i'm like this is what the podcast is about listen like Uh it's so cool so yeah, definitely do that. Like, where can people find the blog? Uh, I think it's just Natalie uh, Larson CCT Okay. But if you put it in the the notes, and I guess I, as far as 
messages just like hopefully other people be inspired to like the guy said when he was praying for me and like um take a leap of faith and trust that things will work out because because at least yeah it, it, it yeah, yeah definitely natalie thank you for coming on the show again seriously i'm so i'm so inspired like i want to do something amazing now like i want to plan on some epic adventure so should do it and i hope more people do the cct too because it's a great uh, trail that a lot of people didn't see the coastal trail yeah I'm sorry <laughs> she <laughs> no. wants to go to your house is what she said Oh, sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, uh, check out the California Coastal Trail. Check out Natalie's blog. Um, super cool. And we will definitely try to catch up with you in the future, I'm sure. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. And there you go, folks. That was Natalie Larson. And wow. What what an awesome adventure. I, I hope you guys left the conversation feeling as reinvigorated, as just pumped up about life as I did. Um, I realized this about myself. I just freaking love hearing about people going out and having these adventures. Um, it's awesome. I just heard just the idea of this, this kick-ass athlete like weeks and weeks into the journey staring down a mountain lion after the worst day on the trail is crazy to me. Um, and also it just left me feeling really excited about humanity, about the people you actually meet in real life. Because I think sometimes we get bogged down with this whole like social media and internet interactions, which aren't necessarily real interactions. And just the fact that all of these people kind of helped her along the way because they heard about this crazy thing she was trying to accomplish, it brings a smile to my face and it makes me, it just makes me feel good. It's a feel good story for sure. Um, so yeah, so I hope you guys, like I said in the podcast and like Natalie said, leave this conversation just knowing that you guys can accomplish anything. Sometimes it just takes getting that foot out the door and really just going after it. So I hope you guys this week are going after your goals, going after your dreams, even if it's not anything gigantic or huge, even if it's just those small incremental steps that you have to take on the path to getting to that ultimate accomplishment. Uh, huge thanks to, to Natalie. I was so happy. I just like, she's awesome to talk to. We had a great conversation. She's just a really amazing human being. And, uh, yeah, this podcast has been great being able to connect with her and hear about all of the amazing adventures she's gone on. So thank you, Natalie. I can't wait to hear about the next crazy thing you do because <laughs> I'm sure you'll do something insane and awesome. So Anyways, uh, yeah, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, like I said, episode 11 also featured Natalie and it kind of got into her more of her backstory. Um, and then if you enjoyed it, check out the rest of our episodes. I promise you guys you'll find something that you'll like. If you're a big like junkie on 
um, the long trails or the backpacking aspect. We have a few episodes uh, about that. If you're if you're an endurance ultra runner person, we have a bunch of episodes about ultra running. If you're just someone who loves hearing about people accomplish these crazy goals, um, you know we have that in here too. So we got kind of got a great mixture. I'm very proud of the guests that I've been able to talk to and share their stories. And I personally think every guest is just amazing in their own ways. Um, yeah, so I guarantee you guys will find something to like. Uh, but yeah, you guys rock and we'll get back at you next week.